the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome to New Focus on Wealth. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Um. This is so dedicated again to trying to perceive wealth and trying to put yourself in front of some trends, try to keep yourself out of losing money, especially at the end of your life or at the end of your investment life, maybe the end of your uh, job life. A lot of people don't really expect to go from uh, salary to social security. So it's, it's all about the nest egg. One of the things we're starting to see a little bit more is the pulse of the market is changing. And what I mean by that is some years we see energy stocks crush it. Some years we see tech stocks crush it. Some years it's small cap. Some years it's large cap. Some years it's international. Some years it's large international or small international. But it seems to be sometimes the reflection is tied hand in hand with economic conditions and our perceptions going on there. For instance, in a pandemic Big tech companies were able to borrow money very, very cheaply, and they made a lot of the technologies that allowed us to go home and work from home. Of course, they were set to benefit with the low cost of money, the stimulus tied towards a second home office versus one uh, place that we go to. So they had their day. A lot of people say, okay, now in 2021, will it switch from big tech to question mark? In this case, Stocks that could do well tied towards reopening the economy. I don't think this is a, a silly point by us because later this week, it's believed that the Democrats are going to be able to get through about a $1.9 trillion stimulus. And that's a lot of money. Democrats are entering the final stages of passing President Joe Biden's $1.9 trillion relief package. That's a lot of money. And you could say tech stocks have already had a bit of a play. So where would you be looking at if you're trying to manage downside and capture upside? It'd be companies that are tied towards stimulus. Now, again, part of the stimulus is $15 minimum wage, state and local aid. Republicans object to the reconciliation process that largely excludes them from the decision-making process. I would say that turnaround is a little bit fair play, but I'm not trying to be political. But it doesn't seem – it seems that this is Congress, typical Congress, right? So Biden has his eyes on even more stimulus. He talked a little bit more about adjusting the paycheck protection program yesterday. That's going to help small businesses and kind of make it easier for small businesses to get and to forget that they had that loan, be forgiven of it, you know? So he's talking more infrastructure spending too. 
Um, so this week, the Federal Reserve Jerome Powell's head of the Federal Reserve is going to talk, and a lot of people are going to be focusing on Wednesday and Thursday. It's not so much on – see, these transition times are weird because it's been such easy money in the NASDAQ going up 30 40% in the year 2020. And you're like, okay, go Apple. Keep doing your stuff. Go Microsoft. Keep doing your stuff. But that's not how the transitions work. It gets a little bit lumpy. There's a, a start and stop kind of process to it. But let's talk about inflation. If you think there's going to be infrastructure and if you think that we're not going to hoard all that money. <clears throat> now, again, some of it's going to be poorly spent. We kind of know that, right? But that's a huge chunk of our economy. Um, copper is the first thing that comes to my mind. Now, coppers are already at a multi-year high. It's a metal. It's tied – it's incredibly economically sensitive. And people are starting to look around thinking this economy is about to take off. With one round of stimulus, one last round of huge stimulus, and you also have that transition to the economies actually should be reopening. Kids are going back to school in two weeks in California. Not full-time, but they're going back. Um, what else did I see yesterday were, were some of the big milestones. Oh, soccer's going to start getting played in about two weeks, two and a half weeks. And you'll be able to play against other teams. So we're starting to open back up just a little bit. The copper to gold ratio is one of those ratios that a lot of people take a look at. And they try to figure out, okay, where do we want to invest um, for inflation? In gold? which is a fear of printing too many dollars, in my opinion, or in the inflationary of uh, demand. When you cheapen money to the point that people want it, then we start saying, hey, let's make superhighways on top of superhighways. Um, so th that's copper. Gold kind of protects against inflation in theory. Copper kind of is a different type of play on inflation, the actual economic laying down of pipes, building up buildings. Uh, plenty of tailwinds at Copper's back right now. Uh, just be careful because you know in the last couple of weeks, part of our thesis that we're building is economic recovery, re economic reopening. And then you get a big ice storm and suddenly you see millions of vaccines are delayed for a couple of weeks. I'm like, whoa. Um, I can't wait to not talk about vaccines. <laughs> just between me and you. I don't know if we're going to get there anytime soon. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on there. So copper's a play on inflation. Let's talk about some other plays on uh, inflation. Um, the bank index. As inflation moves higher, we have a mechanism that kind of follows it. It's called the 10-year treasury. And you can play it by banks are the most economically sensitive to 10-year treasury moves. So the S&P Bank ETF, which is a group of big banks, it's exactly what it sounds. It's an ETF, exchange-traded fund of banks. It's up 71% since September 23rd. That's a huge move. And it's trouncing the S&P 500's 21% gain. The energy select sector is up 53% since then, crushing the S&P 500 overall up 21%. So there's plays on inflation. And if you wanted to have like a list, you would have Honeywell. Raytheon Technologies, Lockheed Martin, 3M, of which Raytheon was the company that should have got hit yesterday because they own Pratt & Whitney. And the Pratt & Whitney was the engine for the United 777 plane that had a big problem this weekend. 
do not watch that YouTube video unless you uh, have had your heart checked recently. <laughs> Just throwing that down. Um, but yeah, so I would say defense contractors are like a Honeywell, a Raytheon, a Lockheed, a 3M. Uh, you still have the energy plays like a Chevron and an Exxon. Again, if you think we're going to fly, if you think we're going to go on cruises, if you think we're going to start reopening our, our vehicles for longer trips um, and family gatherings, there's a reopening trade that's very, very real. With that said, it's your money. <laughs> Sold a broker advisor for taking action on any stocks ever mentioned. Big old stimulus coming this week is the thought. Um, I don't always talk a lot of market commentary on this show when I'm focusing on wealth, but I thought a little bit more address tied towards the switch to inflation might be helpful, um, especially since a lot of you, this is your sports right now, right? Robinhood did so well in 2020 because you weren't watching sports. You weren't participating in them. You weren't uh, betting on them. You weren't like, you know, gathering around and, you know, supporting the bar community or the restaurant community around your favorite sports. Facebook is caving. Uh, we'll talk about Facebook a little bit later in the show. It's it's a PR. It's in the news kind of risk. So I don't know if that's going to sit well with you, but there's different levels of risk. One of the big things right now is inflation risk, but there's also companies that have uh, headline news risks. Let's take a break here. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Don't be shy. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. One of the things I like to do on this show is challenge your ability to disseminate between one and the other. I do not believe that investing is as hard as people make it out to be. But also, I don't believe it's as easy as Robin Hood makes it easy to pull off, technically. Um, in the last year, <clears throat> due to the Robin Hood craze, I've had more people under the age of 30 ask me about buying into assets that have no value or have no ability to earn income. And again, let's just do one that we could all kind of agree on in one way, shape, or form. Um, real estate versus stocks. We don't even have to go into Bitcoin versus stocks. Or companies that are almost bankrupt versus companies that are doing well, like a GameStop. But one of the reports that came out is the housing numbers. And December home prices in 2020 rose 10.4%, the biggest gain in seven years. A lot of things going on in that statement right there. 10.4% is too much. Homes don't go out and have jobs. What they do is they give you a cost of living play where you get to invest in your home that you're going to live in instead of giving it all to the landlord through rent. You build a little bit of equity over time and then a little bit more and then a little bit more by being your own landlord and paying yourself when you own a home or if you own an apartment building or a duplex uh, maybe it's an office building when someone pays it for you. You get the idea. Um, the real estate itself shouldn't jump 10.4%. That's the biggest gain in seven years. That's telling me something funky's happened, right? Because like in the last seven years, do I remember seeing more construction? You're probably like, yes. 
do I remember seeing hearing you, you, there's things in your head that you're like, this doesn't exactly seem like the roaring time to be talking about a 10.4% biggest gain in seven years. Kind of tw- a twist. <clears throat> Phoenix, Seattle, San Diego continue to show the strongest price gains. Um, California is, ooh, I mean, let's be careful what I say here. Um, I was going to say California is overpriced. I do not want to say that. Um, I want to say that the real estate that I personally own in the Bay Area has not done as well as the real estate that I've done outside as far as percentages go. I do think there is some people leaving. Sometimes it's not for, let's flee California. Um, it's just you lose a job. So, And housing is so expensive in California. So Phoenix, Seattle, San Diego continue to do the best. 2020's 10.4% gains marks the best performance of the housing prices in calendar year since 2013, which was a year where we were coming off <clears throat> essentially a bear market in housing. Prices dropped 20% from their peaks. I bought a home as it was falling in value, and because I did, that buying at the dip of prices to where we are today, spiking towards the high end, <clears throat> I did well. Anyone who's bought real estate in the last year has done well. You're up 10.4% on typically other people's money because you don't buy in complete cash. <clears throat> so you use some leverage, which was there. But now that I think about it, I have a home that's worth $2 million, and it's 1,600 square feet. I could probably sell it for $2.2 million if there's a little bit of a bidding war because I chose a good street. Um, but... Then also I own shares of a company like Apple. Now, Apple short-term is getting beat up, but I can't name a bad year for shares of Apple in a long while. Maybe relative to the stock market, yeah, but you get the idea. So I own shares of Apple, and I see that they sell phones, and I see that they share those earnings with uh, investors in the company, both long-term and short-term. Sometimes they funnel the money back to the investor with dividends. Sometimes they deal with share buybacks. Sometimes they deal with stock appreciation. To me, if I were to look at the two assets, I'd say here's one that definitely makes money, and here's one that is being tied towards an ability to get low-cost money, but also get close to work and pay yourself, maybe an obsession worldwide with the American dream of owning a home, which probably goes back to the United Kingdom and serfs and fiefdoms and kings, fearful of, and again, what I'm about to say is almost weird. Um, fear of the king taking your land away. So one of the stories on Chinese real estate investors in the United States is they're trying to get the money out of the country because they do know in the back of their head, or maybe obviously that communism could say, yeah, let's change the rules for anyone born in the country of China. You now give us 50% of your real estate. And you're like, what? So you're seeing that some people are hiding money. But again, home prices should not move up 10.4%. Something phenomenal is happening there, in my opinion. So December home prices rose 10.4%, the biggest gain in seven years. Again, you would probably say that real estate is probably location, location, location. But there's a 10-city composite and there's a 20-city composite. Um, the 20 city is going to give you a much broader image. But again, that's only the top 20 cities in the United States. So you see things like San Diego. I would love to go to San Diego and live for a few years, learn how to surf during the vaccine COVID period, right? Um, Up 13% year over year. Phoenix up 14.4% year over year. Seattle up 13.6% year over year. Now, I've been to Phoenix. 
And I can tell you the industry down there is not like rocking and rolling. It's not a fun place to live year round because it's so hot. Air conditioning capital of the world, no, but way up there. Um, so Phoenix isn't saying, okay, we got a great, let's say, semiconductor industry. They've got an okay semiconductor manufacturing industry. But they're a more diverse economy, whereas the Bay Area is more tech-driven as far as jobs go. So, again, it's interesting to note that tech had a great year last year. Now we're talking more inflation-driven. <clears throat> you can see how maybe some of these markets don't make sense. Seattle's paying jobs are higher than the average paying jobs in Phoenix. San Francisco's average paying jobs are higher than the ones in Seattle, right? So you can kind of see that real estate does have a tie towards wages. Or maybe you get a vibe on that. I'm not quite sure. Anyhow, and anyway, I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Don't be shy. You can always find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. One of the things I've been talking about recently is more webinars and when do we do seminars again? Probably not 2021. Probably not. Maybe webinars for sure. But I, I'm not seeing a big demand for people to go out. <clears throat> and that, again, a reflection of the economy. If I was in Florida, I could get draw 400 people. They seem just to be not living in the same COVID world that California is living in. I think that's pretty obvious to everyone in the statement, right? So I don't know when we get into big events here. But we have started taking steps in the right direction. So, uh, oh, did you see the school board? Oh, no. Who were on a Zoom call and they threw the parents under the bus? I'm uh, talking about reopening and uh, using words that really pitted teachers. No, no, not teachers. School district against the parents. And it's like, you think politically we're messed up right now with Republicans and Democrats supercharged on I'm right, you're wrong? Our own school districts are messed up. <laughs> Crazy. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220, KDOW. Focusing on wealth, and today I'm focusing a lot on market timing. Every day I kind of have a different twist that I tried to tie a lot of the components together. Yesterday it was about insurance, getting older and not being able to understand the documents you're being put in front of and how that could lead to fraud against our elders and how we should all work together to kind of make sure mom and dad aren't taken or fleeced. Um, So one of the things I'm talking about today is market timing. And I go, I look at housing costs up 10.4%. I'm like, I didn't make 10.4% more money last year. <clears throat> Maybe I did do when you start factoring in the stock market. And the, there's, some fa- there, there's some things there going on. But the low cost of money and the economic reopening, I can't wait to reopen, <laughs> right? Um, I'm at the point now that I've got friends who were supposed to get married in 2020, 2021. And they may have to wait till 2022, or if they're procrastinators, they're going to find that a lot of people want to get married in 2022. Therefore, 2023 is the earliest you're going to be able to do it. And again, that's a small example. <clears throat> I've told my spouse um, 
like we gotta we got a vacation i'm losing my mind um i want to be with you i want to travel with you <laughs> i don't i like you but the house is too small kind of thing like there's so much pent-up demand there that if we don't book now i question if we're going to be able to get to some exotic locales um because hotels only have so much capacity and i've I think there's going to be a little bit of price gouging when we open back up. But talking about timing the market, in that case of I think we have some pent-up demand inside the economy, for sure in my mind. Um, and I don't have to listen to the statistics of that one. I could listen to my friends and family, and that's antidotal evidence. Now, the problem about antidotal evidence is um, a lot of times we, we project on our friends – like I have a friend right now who is parting his mind out, going from state to state to state. Good for him. Um, but I'm not really speaking for him, right? Um, and you're like, okay, I know one person doing that, but we, I probably know more, and they're just not talking about it. Um, so psychologically, right now is who's going to open up, who's not, how big, how how. I think there will be some sectors that are better than others. Is what I'm trying to get at. And some of them are going to have built-in demand. Like, I, I know no one who cruises. I'm just the wrong age for it, I think. Do the cruises come back all in one year, or will it be spread out? I think there's going to be some – I think the cruise lines will be fine. <laughs> I think the airlines are going to be fine. Yesterday, a Morgan Stanley analyst did a broad, a broad upgrade of the airline industry saying um, they're not going to be giving away tickets at $49 to get you back over the fear of flying. Coming out of the pandemic, prices are going to rise. Going into the pandemic, prices fell. But yet, one thing that I saw yesterday was a great headline <clears throat> that I kind of want to share with you because it is kind of tied towards that market's transitioning. Last year, I, I think I would have been crazy if I were to tell you jump into the airlines. I'm not telling you to jump into the airlines, but some analysts are. It seemed too soon one year ago, but over the last six months, we've started to see, oh, we're missing it. It's already starting to recover. Faster than what we know, because antidotally, we're not up. Wall Street's ahead of us. Antidotally, we're hearing about what our neighbors are doing. But Wall Street's already started moving the prices higher, and you've seen it in the bank stocks. You've seen it in the oil stocks. Now, going a little bit further into 2021 and transitioning, um, I've gotten a lot of emails this year about people wanting to jump into Bitcoin. What's the best way to buy Bitcoin? I'm like, what do you need Bitcoin for? No answer. Um, what if Bitcoin falls 80% like it has in the past? No answer. They just There's almost a let's get in now and figure it out later, which is fine. But when you see it drop 10 15% in a week, just make sure you have the stomach for it. So I'm seeing Tesla hit a bear market pretty hard right now as we transition. And yet, also I can find a headline right next to it of, Tesla enters bear market down 15% in two days. Two days. If you put $1,000 in, you're down 150 Like, whoa, you do the math, right? But right next to that same headline on Tesla enters bear market, scare, 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 is the headline, did you buy the dip? <laughs> like, this was your opportunity. I will say that if tech goes into a bear market – I wanted 2021 and 2022 for me to be diversifying my portfolio away from tech. But it depends on how fast it happens. If it goes down 16% in two days, whew, there will be a point where we look at Tesla. But here's another thing that's happened with Tesla. Last year, it was tied towards momentum. 
was tied towards headlines. Everything broke right. They um, hit production numbers. They hit earnings uh, for four quarters in a row. The stock went higher. He sold, gained cash. Um, SpaceX is launching. Have you seen the, the internet service they're they're offering? It's a satellite service for rural areas. It doesn't do well. Satellites don't do well with big buildings. Uh, they don't do well with middle sized buildings. Um, and the nanoseconds or the milliseconds, excuse me, that it takes to bounce from the United <clears throat> from us to the back to the satellite, it's getting pretty competitive. And Elon Musk blesses P. Plus his little heart, right? Um, Elon Musk, for his part, is saying um, that he's going to have internet service for around the world ready by the end of the year. And you may be in the mountains right now. You may be in the beaches right now. You may be in the big city right now. And you're like, I can barely get my internet service like here in a small little seven by seven mile area. And he's going to have coverage around the earth by the end of the year. And a thing that he does, which I don't understand, I guess I understand it. He's a showman. But he says, okay, if you're getting 100 gig, 100 millibits per second download, you're going to get up to 400. And we're just going to turn on a feature that magically does it for you. There's a rumor that, and this is a great one, in my opinion. There's a rumor that he's going to uh, upgrade some software for his Teslas so that they all have heated steering wheels. And like, why did not already have that built why not have that ready to go because you've had to have the hardware built into it and it's just like well magically i can turn it on and people tend to like that although have you seen the ratings on tesla not good recently uh the safety ratings the quality ratings not good and what's happening with the model y why is it disappearing we don't know so there's a lot of question marks and at the same time we're seeing more and more SPACs, which is a way for a company uh, a blank check company to go out and buy into the industry. We're seeing a lot of competition coming into electric vehicles. It's interesting to note because I, I recently watched someone talk about Tesla to one of his friends. And it was almost one of those bar conversations that you're overhearing. And the amount of data he had just bought a Tesla, the amount of data that he still didn't know about a Tesla was crazy. Um, how much does it cost? Like he thinks it's free, but there's a cost of charging your Tesla, whether you do it at home or at a supercharging network. It's not free. And it's not massively, significantly way better than gasoline. As our society moves towards more renewables, it should be, but uh, renewable energy is not free either. There's a data point where corporations have to get a return on their investment. Otherwise, they'll say, fire up the, the coal, fire up the oil. So December home prices rose 10.4%, the largest jump in seven years. Tesla share price is now directly tied to the value of Bitcoin, one analyst says. Because Tesla bought a billion and a half of Bitcoin, which is another just mess right now. Musk is coming out and saying, Bitcoin looks a little overvalued. And I don't know if we want him doing that. In theory, don't we want him coming up with faster internet satellite services, faster internet cars, faster self? Like, don't we want that versus the commentary on Bitcoin? Or maybe we do. Maybe he's that kind of smart all that, and a bucket of chicken when it comes to being an analyst as well. I don't know. I can tell you, kids, not kids. Uh, the self-edited you have to do on a live uh, radio show. The kids, the people in their 20s, the millennials love him. Um, interesting to note. A little cult of personality. Don't do as I do, do as I say, right? So the House is set to pass Biden's COVID relief bill this week. That's going to be $1.9 trillion. And I think they have enough votes 
due to the way the Senate swung in Georgia in January to get the full $1.9 trillion. Do you remember heading into 2021, we were like, well, one of the things that's going to have to happen is who's going to win the election runoffs in Georgia. If the Republicans stick control, it would be a much smaller stimulus package. And Wall Street's response would be, I think, much more small or muted. But now this is so much stimulus, we're looking at what Jerome Powell says. We're listening to hearing what uh, Treasury Secretary Jenny Yellen says, Jerome Powell, head of the Federal Reserve. They look for inflation. So it's a huge package. And come Monday or Tuesday of next week, don't be in a position of saying, I told you so. If you're in a scenario right now where you're like, totally afraid of the market that's totally fine it's fair i'm good for you but i look at that 1.9 trillion stimulus i'm like i better get some cash work sooner than later doesn't mean i have to do it crazy earlier in the show we talked about investing in inflation stocks primarily banks and energy stocks um and maybe companies that can play the 10-year treasury um is the smartest is probably banks on the upside on the downside it's probably home depot when interest rates dropped from, you know, long-term uh, rates dropped from 4% to 3.5 to 3 to 25 to 2 and mortgages dropped from 7% to 6% to 5% to 4% to 3%. When mortgages hit under 3% this last year, I hope everyone piled up. Um, now what you're going to find is you're like, oh, I own a home. I've got this 30-year mortgage, which is incredibly cheap, but I overpaid for the home. But I want to take care of the home to keep the investment of my monthly check into it as high as possible. <clears throat> when you own a home, you have to maintain it. Otherwise, even the market, the home market can move up in price, but you can move down. Um, just maintenance, like keeping tree roots out of your uh, sewage line, things like that. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Bitcoin and Tesla, very, very volatile on the downside in the last couple of days. Does it make you nervous? I never get nervous when it comes to money. Never. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Do you know anyone in your life that can do about 90% right and then they mess up the last 10%? Got an email recently. Person under 30, no debt. 401k is doing quite nicely. Roth IRA, $45,000 in cash. I'm like, whoa, someone under 30? Let's do that again. No debt. And as soon as that, 401k is doing well. The Roth IRA is doing nicely. They're saving for retirement. They're not drunk and going, oh, I'm going to spend all my money and worry about when I turn 60. Seems like a reasonable email, right? And then the next line is, I want to buy a Tesla Model 3. I'm not going to stop you. His parents tried to stop him. And now he's mad at his parents. Zero debt is awesome. Retirement-wise, on your way to retirement uh, through 401ks and through Roth IRAs is great. So you get an A+, plus, A+. Plus. Um, cash on hand is lovely. Um, continuing to invest more and more 
is great. Then he goes, "What? I, I don't know what to do with that $45,000 in cash. Do I buy a, a car straight up? Um, do I save for a down payment on a home? Ooh. That, to me, sounds more like the right answer versus a Tesla. Now, again, I'm not knocking anyone who has a Tesla. Growing up financially fit, doing this show, I always had an idea that life would be good in my 40s and 50s. In my 40s for traveling, in my 50s for things like cars or second homes or what have you. That was my timeline. I didn't do it early. I still don't really drive nice cars. I have a Toyota Tacoma that has 70,000 miles on it. I plan to keep it till it has 200,000 plus. Um, it's a functional vehicle, and I kind of like being in it. So it's not functional like I'm not calling cement on the weekends, but I could. Um, so the question is, do you purchase a very expensive car? Do you continue to save that money for retirement? Or maybe a better question is saying, what city do you want to live in? Have you started looking at homes there? Um, I don't want a fancy car until I'm 50. That was always my thought. And once you get to 50, you're like, I don't even know if I want it anymore. It's never improved one person's lifestyle in my life. Uh, a friend of mine, you know, tech player. I see a lot of people create a ton of wealth in my neighborhood. Some of them go out and get $250,000 sports cars. Some of them go out and never show you a thing. Maybe they buy a little bit of real estate with a big windfall. Very, very different. So for the emailer, I would say really a bigger question is, can you put off the car? Because I know you want a house down the road. You kind of wrote to me and said that. Um, even though you're doing great with everything else, don't get into that behavioral psychological mistake that we make. Uh, there won't be bad days to come. Um, the best part about being under 30 and I, I, I highlighted the email was from a person under 30 is you don't really need a Tesla. If you go out with your friends, you don't have to have the nicest car. Um, is it awesome? Yeah, but your friends don't care and they, they probably have debt. They probably don't have a 401k. They probably don't have a Roth IRA. They probably don't have emergency money. And a big old cash of, uh, a pile of cash looking for something to do. Don't do the Model 3 Tesla, in my opinion. Um, just throwing it out there. Throwing it out there. So if you want to drop me an email, you can drop me an email at rob at robblackshow.com. It's rob at robblackshow.com. Um, it was also interesting in the email. He went out of his way to refer to his parents as financial conservatives. Um, financial conservatives shouldn't be a dirty word. When you look around and 2020 had a pandemic, it had Portland. And I don't even know. My brain can only handle so much as far as financial information goes. Um, I asked my producer at one point last year, I'm like, what's going on in Portland? I keep hearing about riots for a hundred days in a row. I don't know if we're at 200 days. I don't know where we stand at that. Um, but when you see the world kind of burning, Keep in mind, it's not. We've we've gone through these scenarios multiple times. Pandemic's a new one. And uh, reading some of the notes out of the previous administration's White House, uh, one of the briefings was like, this pandemic, and this was back in March, April, is going to be the biggest event that the president has to deal with. Um, and to get reelected, if he had possibly pulled it off in the pandemic and it spread like germ spread, um, the economy probably would have been in better shape. And I believe 
most Americans vote with their economic checkbook. Um, you know, statistics say people don't even vote if they're doing well financially. Um, keep the same administration in, keep the same platform in, but people become very politically charged and opinionated, and they change votes and they come out to vote when the economy is in distress. So, um, interesting to note. So, with all that out there, I love that you know, people are still saving money. So, and being fiscally conservative, I don't think is a bad thing. I would rather have not had a large gain than to run out of money in retirement. And it's again, would you rather? Which is the most annoying game you can play with your children. Would you rather be fall into a vat of razor blades or eaten by a shark? Like eaten by a shark? Razor blades, ugh, paper cuts, no. Anyhow, anyway, I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Thanks for listening. We'll take a break here. We'll be back on the podcast, back on the radio show soon.